0: Welcome to another episode of The Beauty of Horror, a podcast dedicated to exploring the unsettling beauty found within our favorite genre. Each episode, I'll sit down with a different guest to discuss a horror film they find particularly beautiful and why. I'm your host, Chandler Bullock, and today's guest is the founder of the Good Night Life Podcast Network and co-host of Nightlight, a horror movie podcast on the Bloody Disgusting Network.
1: Beautiful welcomes to Prince... Jackson. Thank you so much for having me. This is a blast. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for being here. I'm
0: just super, super excited to get to talk to you and having you on is, is just such a it's a
1: great treat. So thank you so much for answering the call. Oh, that means a lot. Oh, thank you. No, seriously, <laughs> thank you for inviting me. This is honestly one of the coolest things I've I've gotten offered to do.
0: Oh, well, I hope it lives up to it, but I, I think <laughs> uh I think we're gonna get there based on what we have planned for today. Before we begin our discussion, though, I do like to kick off each episode with a quote about beauty that relates to our topic, and this can be from philosophy or from the filmmakers themselves, and today's quote is as follows, A major advantage of focusing on experiences and not judgments is that it can help us understand the personal importance and urgency of all things aesthetic for self. I'll reveal who said that just a little later, but first, Prince... Let's talk a bit about your relationship with horror. I know you've been on other podcasts and I know on your own podcast, you've talked about this before, but you're on my podcast now. So <laughs> I would, uh, for, for any new v- listener who might co- be coming into my thing before getting to anything else, just in case, what has caused you to have such a connection and love of the horror genre?
1: Oh, wow. Um, The main cause is really hard to determine, to be completely honest. But the way horror honestly truly makes me feel is something unlike any other experience. And it's very interesting to say. And I feel like only horror fans truly understand this type of sensation that we get when we watch horror. This type of uh, adrenaline rush. And um, I have come to the point, I guess, in my life where... Horror doesn't necessarily scare me, but I do like to be I do like to be creeped out and I do like to uh I think it's just cool ultimately. I just think it's really really cool and it probably all started at a pretty young age which I feel like is a very normal line for most <laughs> horror fans. <laughs> it's pretty common, yeah. <laughs> but uh when it started at that young age, I feel like it was something that really just found myself gravitating towards, and my brother would always try to scare me as a child, and he's my older brother, and he's seven years older than me, so I feel like he, he definitely had an upper hand, but we would go to the Blockbuster and get these movies, and I would just try my best to watch them first. And... Ah. That way, I would know all the jump scares. I would know all the parts to like truly close my eyes on, or maybe I can scare him back and things like that. And it was always a blast to see how everything unraveled to this point of where now it's a career of mine. (laughs) (laughs) You're still
0: getting there first, right?
1: Absolutely. Definitely getting there first every time now.
0: (laughs) Very good. So were there any moments when you were younger that you managed to really you know yank the wool off his eyes before he could ever figure it out like you snuck that movie in
1: yeah uh i, I believe it was maybe uh the 2003 remake of texas chainsaw massacre is when oh. i really got him and it was uh just like a section in the film that was extremely quiet and uh i acted like i was going to go get a drink of water and um, I just turned because the way our, our living room at that time was set up was where it was like an island that goes to out to the kitchen. And I would get up and I just turned around and started screaming like somebody was about to come in the house and attack us and it scared the absolute living hell out of him so it was fantastic but after that moment he was just like all right i'm done watching horror films with you like i, right? I you, you've obviously surpassed me and since then i just tried my best to just find things that were deep in the weeds and not really known and hard to find and i was a ki- and mind you i was a kid when all this happened so in 2003 I, gosh i was maybe 12 and when i wanted to watch more i didn't know where to find them i didn't i didn't know where to search i didn't know where to go um and growing up in the neighborhood i grew up in i knew people who found movies illegally so Mm -hmm. i was just trying to get bootleg copies of most of these (laughs) movies and eventually when i got older and and found out about vinegar syndrome and arrow video and things like that i was like oh i totally could have just bought these but so i repurchased them and um it was nice too because you don't have an fbi copy on it or anything
0: like that. <laughs> exactly and you know actually i mean back in 2003 a lot of these titles were really hard to find i, yeah. I don't know how old vinegar syndrome is or severin but you know the places they're, like they're not that stuff, old exactly yeah. Like, I remember Arrow kind of got on my radar just about four or five years ago, and I'm sure they've existed maybe a little longer, but not much longer. Yeah, if if
1: a little bit longer for sure, like maybe eight years or ten years, maybe ten years now. I think think Arrow's getting ten, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I could see 2010s being a good starting point for them
0: you know but yeah we were in the dvd still kind of half of the vhs era in 2003 so you just had to get lucky that your store cared to get old stuff (laughs) and you know for them like i know that some of our local places like the mom and pop places they'd have like proper 70s 60s 80s stuff but then if i went to say hollywood video if it was in the 90s that was a classic
1: right yeah no and and that was like an ultimate classic at that mm-hmm. and it was it, it's so hard it was so hard for me at the time to find these particular movies and i would just ask <laughs> my local bootlegger um like hey like do you have anything that has to do with uh vampires or anything with and th- this is how i saw let the right one in and, and this is okay. how i saw um uh gosh i'm blanking out on the name uh uh, near dark and things like that. Right. And this is how I was able to see most of those movies were from bootleg copies. And um, I gosh, I, I've maybe consumed hundreds of bootleg copies when I was younger. And it wasn't until like, college is when I started actually being a little bit more mindful of where I would try to spend my money, even though that was like, peak Torrent days, like, yeah, it was (laughs) that's like 2008 (laughs) 2009, so it's like peak (laughs) torrent days, everyone's torrenting. So, like, I was trying my best to find things, um, to where I can purchase them because I was like, you know, I want them to make more movies like this, and yeah, and they're not going to be able to do that if I'm not paying them. So, um, I tried my best to do that, but like, Human Centipede was totally a torrent, like, I, I, I couldn't I find that, that. the Poughkeepsie tapes for sure like that was a huge torrent for me yeah because I mean, it wasn't it. distributed at the time <laughs> exactly. yeah seriously yeah <laughs> I think it wasn't distributed until 2014 if wow. I'm not mistaken yeah the movie came out in 2007 so cool. yeah so MGM didn't distribute that right away you would think they would have since
0: like they had the paranormal activity explosion in 2007 right and then right. you're not going to do your serial killer, p- paranormal activity. What's wrong with you? Yeah, seriously. It's so small. it was,
1: it was. Uh, yeah, it, it, <laughs> and, and you would assume things like Saw and Paranormal Activity, and um, and you can even argue a little bit on on uh, like previous things, like in 1999 with the Blair Witch Project and things like that, mm-hmm. would be a perfect avenue for this. But I mean, it is a very under-the-weeds, hard-to-watch horror film. <laughs> so I, I, do, I do understand as their hesitation, where it's just like, I don't know if anyone's going to pay for this. Like, <laughs> 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 like, I don't know if anyone's going to buy this movie. <laughs> and I was like, I will. I will buy this movie. (laughs) Please, send them to me. But now it's free on Amazon Prime. So, Well, in the U.S., I should say.
0: (laughs) Right. Not free if you need to get a VPN, but that's a different cost altogether, you know? (laughs) But hey, I'm right there with you. I had a lot of bootleg memories as well. Like I was that whole bootleg streaming kick in 2004, 2005. You know, try to find any player that had whatever horrible potato copy of a VHS just on the digital. (laughs) I saw the thing for the first time on a laptop with a random, horrible dial-up screen, so it was still good.
1: (laughs) That's amazing.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was was 19 and just saying, all right, I need to watch a movie today and just looked up, you know, good horror movie, online free, and then it popped up. (laughs) Love it.
1: Love it. That's how I still search for horror movies.
0: Right? That's a great way to do it. Yeah. People don't know what they're looking for. They'll just look up what's good and they'll let the internet decide for
1: you. I've been trying to hound shutter to add a shuffle feature um, to where it just shuffles like based off of a certain recommendation off of a a quick survey on their website or even on the app. Just to where just a very quick survey. Like, what are you feeling? What what scares you? What's your what's your gore level from one to ten? Things like that, and just shuffle me a movie, and Ooh. that's what I want for from Shutter. And I've been trying like hell to get them to do this.
0: <laughs> oh, I hope they're listening. I hope they're. I hope so too. I
1: hope so too. I mean, I mean, I've ch- I've chatted with Sam a couple of times and. Okay. Sam loves it. Sam Zimmerman, he he was just like, "That's a pretty cool idea." Like, <laughs> might have to bring that up. But he's director of programming, so he's not an engineer. So we need an engineer. No. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the so. problem. You need somebody who can determine whether that's even feasible or not with yeah. their tech. I might, but, I might hit up Craig. I might, I might hit yeah. up Craig and be like, Craig, let's see if we can do this. You're the VP. You can make this happen. <laughs> exactly. You can uh, call the right people. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so do you have anything that you've been uh, watching recently or anything you've been doing that's uh, kind of fresh in your mind other than today's topic, of course?
1: yes um gosh i horror is always on for me it's always on unless my daughter's in the room i i I tend to try my best to not watch it when she's around um but she but not she but i (laughs) um and currently watch well i currently just started this anime called yasuke which is pretty cool um it's a about a black samurai um, in like the 1500s or 1700s in Japan. Um, So a pretty interesting story there. Um, But, I mean, besides the film that we've watched just now, just watched Mama again for the second time since it came out in like 2013. And, wow, I, I thought I didn't really care for that movie that much. And when I watched it the second ago, I was like, "This movie rolls. Like I was tripping. <laughs> I love this movie. Um, so I had a blast watching that. Um, because we're actually covering right now, we're covering uh from May, like m- um I guess a Deadly Mother's Month or kind okay. of like a Mother's Day spin. Um, which I was gonna w- have everybody watch Mother's Day, but I was like. Ah. That's A little much, <laughs> that's, a, that's a little much. I mean, we, we, I, I've already gave them a pretty rough film, um, with right. Goodnight Mommy. We don't need to, Ooh, so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but, um, so yeah, it, it, I've, I've been mainly doing that kind of stuff. I, I am working on a, a script, a pretty super secretive script right now, yeah. um, so that's uh, that's been a lot of fun um in the works and it's funny because like people were like commenting about it like is it this script is it this script i was like i cannot confirm nor deny that ah. you are correct <laughs> <laughs> um so it's uh it is a script i could tell you that it is a script um but yeah we are working very hard on that particular script um and i use we loosely but there are plans for that script. <laughs>
0: oh, that's exciting. That's, I know Super you've mentioned a couple. You know, you've mentioned yes. a few scripts. Uh, I can think of at least, well, one for sure, because that yeah. was a very exciting script. But just in case yes. that is the, the one, I won't mention it here. The, no worries. No worries. Go go to Princess Socials if you want to know more about. Uh... Yeah, if you if you truly
1: <laughs> want to <laughs> know, Sleeps. yes, you can definitely go over there. Because it, it it I will admit that the one that some people are thinking of, I was just joking, but um, oh. <laughs> but with with the ones that people are also thinking of, uh, who knows? <laughs> like, who knows? <laughs> so who knows? Uh, like that joke may become a reality one day. So never know. That'd be exciting. <laughs> I'm sure the roof
0: is going to blow off, you know, people are going to cheer to the heavens when they find out. You know, it doesn't really matter what you do, man. If your name's popping up on a screenplay uh, credit, oh, we're man. all going to
1: freak. <laughs> so. I appreciate that. I'm excited. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. There are plans for this particular script that I am working on um, and uh, a couple of studios that are interested in it. So we are trying our best to get this up.
0: <laughs> Ooh, super exciting stuff. <sighs> Yes. All right. We've hinted at it a couple times. We've been a little coy. So, why don't we get to it? Uh, Just to preface before we get into the title of the film, uh, there will be spoilers for the film that we're going to discuss. So, once you hear the title, if it's one that you haven't seen, I highly suggest that you do check it out before you listen to this because to talk about aesthetics and to get into the nitty gritty, you do have to talk about the details. But, Prince, could you tell everybody what film are we going to be talking about today?
1: Today, we are talking about Anthony Scott Burns' come true
0: <sighs> yes we will. <laughs> <laughs> so excited <laughs> oh it as it is a fairly recent release i can't imagine that not everybody has checked it out yet so if you Possibly. are not sensitive to spoilers and you're listening anyway i would like to catch people up on a very brief synopsis that i wrote up so here is a general gist And I mean a very general gist because, as you will note in our discussion, there's a lot to go over. Um, (laughs) But this is what I have written down to keep it simple. We have Sarah Dunn as a troubled teen who is plagued by nightmares. Unwilling to spend time at home with her mother, Sarah often sleeps in the slide at the local park. Her dreams consist of dark, winding tunnels full of abstract manifestations. Every dream ends more or less the same way, though. She ends up approaching a shadowy figure with glowing white eyes. Before it can make any contact with Sarah, she awakens. She wakes up more tired than when she went to sleep. The same pattern persists every single day. One day, she comes across an advertisement for a sleep study that is offering a comfortable place to sleep and $12 an hour per session. Sarah doesn't hesitate to sign up. This way, she can sleep in a bed instead of on a slide every night. Things seem to work well for her at first. Apart from the bizarre attire she must wear when sleeping, she wakes up feeling refreshed and renewed. However, when one of the junior scientists shows her images from her dreams, Sarah begins to have regular fits and seizures that spur on a series of increasingly nightmarish visions. The line between what is a dream and what is reality becomes increasingly blurred until Sarah is confronted with a startling reality. That is the most basic, general, vague thing I could possibly say about this. Uh, That's basically the plot. Yep. (laughs) But... uh,
1: Gets me excited to watch it all over again. Right, right. And I've seen this so many times. I've seen this movie at least 15 or 20 times. (laughs) Wow, okay. And
0: I'm I'm still excited just on two. (laughs) Uh, Why? You know, I know, because I've seen it now. But I'm very curious to hear it from your own words. When I approached you and said, think of a movie that you find particularly beautiful and horrifying, why did this one spring to mind so quickly?
1: Oh, man. So as some may know, if, if you do follow me on Twitter, but as some may know on, uh, on Twitter, I released last year, December 29th, um, my end of the year roundup top 15 horror films of 2020. Um, this film technically came out this year, so I made a bold decision to choose a pick that came out during a festival (laughs) um yeah so with that bold decision of of this i decided that this film which actually took me a while to put it at my number one spot of 2020 um this film just hit all the right beats for me personally where i have insomnia I okay. also um I've never experienced sleep paralysis but my wife has so that I've had some type of experience with that um and also everyone who knows me knows that glowing eyes are 100% my jam <laughs> <laughs> I love glowing eyes um so it, the fact that like this was just done so neatly and so prosthetically um it was beautiful for me to actually experience it as a whole. And the hues of this film with the blues, and then you get to those very deep shadowy blacks that look sort of like a video game. That it it, like it looks like you're going through the video game limbo and little nightmares and like it's it's so many different aspects um within the dream sequences that just make it absolutely gorgeous. So when you told me the premise of this podcast the first thing that popped in my head were actually two films, Come True and Swallow. And um, I actually had to really internalize on what I wanted, which is why it took me so long to get back to you on that question. But um, once I thought about it, I was like, Come True. Like It has to be Come True. Come True is just, it boggles my mind how beautiful this movie is with its colors, because the colors are played very much like a Giallo film, with like um argento with his pinks and his purples and his funny hues um and anthony scott burns kind of has the same i guess anatomy when it comes to this particular film just more so on a synthy type of way um which i thought was very clever and it also goes extremely well with um with anthony in general because anthony also plays music yeah. uh his uh synonym is pilot priest so he's uh it, it's it's great that there's even a section of this film that plays like a music video and it's awesome <laughs> it's so good it flows so neatly <laughs>
0: i'm right there with you i had anticipated this title for a while i'd seen it on the nice. circuit but i hadn't caught it at a festival but I was lucky enough that uh, for any Dutch listeners, you can get this on Petite Taus, so that's our kind of cinema at home VOD thing. You can stream that in HD, rent it, or buy. Nice. And uh, I also was very lucky that due to the pandemic, I had a free voucher for that, uh, you know, particular app <laughs> because awesome. I used to the cinema. Yeah, you yes. to have a subscription to the cinema, and they're like, "Here, here's to make up for that. You can do the, the at home one and get a free movie." Oh, so, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely banked that on this (laughs) good choice good choice Wow! without realizing it you you picked a film that in my opinion perfectly encapsulates the feeling that i was going for with this podcast oh wow films that are breathtaking in about three different directions that it just sparks off And you're both in awe of what you're experiencing. Right. You are your breath is taken by how just flawless everything comes across aesthetically. I'm not just visually, but audibly as well, acting, all of it. Just perfect. And then it's also one of the most horrifying concepts (laughs) (laughs) and some of the most terrifying creature designs that have graced a screen in probably the last decade. So it's so
1: simple. That yes. with with the creatures that he utilizes in this film, that it makes it scarier. Because it's yes. just like, gosh. And we've heard ch- stories that are similar to this. Um, there's actually even another movie that's a documentary on it. Um, I mm-hmm. think it's called The Nightmare. The Nightmare. Um, yeah. yeah. So that whole concept of sleep paralysis and... Um, elucid dreaming and astral projection and all this other stuff like it it's so intense on how everything just flows into this movie to turn into one and they even incorporated sleepwalking in there which is also another very scary thing um so it's it's fascinating and i think that's the beauty behind this movie as a whole i mean visually it is stunning absolutely (sighs) incredible to look at Um, And I had my wife sit down and watch it finally um, with me last night. And when she watched it, she was also doing um, homework as well because we're we're both trying to learn Spanish. So she was trying to learn Spanish while while watching Come True. But um, when she was sitting down watching it, she was like, this movie's awesome and then the end happened and she was like it's like this ruined the whole thing for me and then i had to explain it to her i was like wait it's not completely over yet just wait until the text message comes and then she was like what like she's just like she's like this movie's the greatest movie ever yeah. and, she, and she doesn't like horror films which is okay. even better and for someone who doesn't like horror films to say how beautiful a movie is and someone who actually doesn't perfectly like film in general um she prefers to read um, instead of um watching film but she was just like that was aesthetically pleasing to look at the sound was absolutely incredible and i just i love how abstract everything was and those are her words not mine but she took the words right out of my mouth i was like exactly like this movie is just so good um and actually i speak with anthony uh Later this, later this month about this movie. So I'm, I'm excited to chat with him a little bit more about it.
0: <laughs> I'm so jealous. The moment I was watching it, I was like, I have to get this guy on here. I have to. We
1: can make Just... it happen.
0: Oh, please. If you can yeah, provide we can Yeah, we can definitely make it happen. Yeah, Cause...
1: absolutely. I'll text him and we'll make it oh, happen. Yeah. <laughs> his g- grasp of aesthetics is so
0: palpable in the film yes. that I'm like, this is a filmmaker that gets it. So the quote that I gave uh, was from a researcher by the name of Vince Nene. And actually I have the book right here now. Obviously people listening can't see it, but I'm showing it to Prince. It's this teeny tiny book here called Aesthetics, A Very Short Introduction. So Ooh. for the course that I took on the beautiful in film, this is the first book we had to read. We had to read about three-fourths of it real quick mm. in a week just to do our first lesson. And it was a really easy read. Now normally these academic books can be a slog and this <laughs> flew by. Because uh, yes. Vince was doing a great job of trying to talk in real world, simple terms. It's the most introductory thing you can get. So he's really using examples of paintings and films and music and trying to describe the difference between a judgment, as the quote says, and an experience. So right. oftentimes, you know, us as critics, especially if you see how a lot of our uh, I use the word loosely peers on Twitter can act as if they need to look down at a piece of art and be above yeah. it and right. look at the flaws, take it apart. You know, the conversations are talking. About oh, it, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I love how in that book, Nene says that casting an aesthetic judgment is never a pleasurable experience. He says that the act of having a conversation with your friends after a film. That's the pleasurable experience that you have. But the fact that you're tearing it apart and dissecting it doesn't give us nearly as much pleasurable, oh, sorry, as much pleasure as the experience of consuming the film itself
1: right. or any
0: other art form. And this is a movie that is made for you to take the cap off, turn the brain off, yep. watch. Right. You could turn the brain on, but I discovered when I in my second viewing, I was trying to figure out. For instance, that twist, it, it's so stuck in my head that I'm like, okay, hold on. Was this true the whole movie or <laughs> did it happen at some point? And the more I did it, actually, the more I was getting pulled out of the film right. and just too stuck in my head. Right. And the less, but then, you know, then a dream sequence came up and I said, I don't care. And I just stopped and I just started watching again. And yeah, I think that Anthony Scott Burns is so good at just saying, watch.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Like it, it, it just he he makes it where it's like the point where it's just like whatever you're thinking about, throw it out of your head. I got more for you, and yes. I I love that. I love that whole concept of him adding more and more and more, and and honestly, kind of nutrients for this film in general. And I I think it's it's quite incredible to think about this film in that particular way of being something nutritional. Right. for your mind and it's it's so interesting especially when the twist does happen um and you're just like wait what like because <laughs> there are certain things in the film where are just like oh that's super questionable and that's super questionable and then the the twist happens you're just like that's why got that's it why. Like, <laughs> that explains it <laughs>
0: explains why this is such a weird movie <laughs>
1: exactly <laughs> yeah i love it i love it, it, it it's it in the whole basis of it being about sleep is something I feel like you don't get much of. And when you did yeah. get it, it was Nightmare on Elm Street. And um, I, when I first saw this movie, I gloated about it. Because I, I saw it at Fantasia Festival last August. And it's funny how I saw this movie. I actually saw this movie uh, at a hospital when my wife was about to give birth to our daughter. Um, so wow. <laughs> when I watched it, I was just like, like wow, this movie blows my mind. And... Um, and then I, then my wife had a baby. But, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> so when I was thinking about this movie, I was just like thinking about the ways of how it's transitional for now and when it was dealing with sleep and um, it made me think about it a bit deeper of how this shadow man is pretty much Freddy Krueger and this movie is mm-hmm. pretty much a whole reimagining of Nightmare on Elm Street.
0: And, and honestly, in my opinion, way scarier. Yes. Like, yes. Because it's, yes, a, it's it a more, well, for instance, the, even using terms like, so the, the film is broken up into different sort of thematic chapters. Right. One of them's the anima and the animus. And yes. just those terms, talking about this carnal animalistic place, Right. I feel is where that, just deep seated terror comes from is this yes. shadowy figure. It's not. So it is Fred Krueger, but it's not the Freddy Krueger that is vengeful and going to cut up some kids. Who's by proxy guilty of any crime or anything like that. It's right. just there and it does what it does. And it's a part of your consciousness and your psych psychological state. And it's going to get you. And it's yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, and it, and, it, and it makes it absolutely incredibly creepy. And what makes this even creepier is just like this could really kind of happen in some ways. Like obviously not as far-fetched as the s- certain things we see in the movie, but <laughs> like people do suffer from sleep paralysis. People do suffer from insomnia. People do not have a home. Like yeah. you know, it's it's a lot of the, the themes in this movie are so Interesting, and I love, I love. I, I don't know if we're getting to spoiler territories yet, so I'm, I'll probably save oh, jump it. In. Uh, there's okay, no like, spoiler okay.
0: section here. We're just all
1: right. Perfect, perfect. So spoilers <laughs> ahead. Starting now. Here we go. But <laughs> when uh, when she's in the laundromat and she falls yep. asleep, she has the seizure. She falls asleep, and then the uh woman who's actually slightly blind. Yeah, Um she's blind in one eye. Which is interesting because um, she is—it's the same eye that is affected with Sarah later. That's what I And too. The one yeah. she has to patch up. But what's interesting is when she says, "Oh, these boys took it away," and I thought I should wake you. Well, I have a theory that since her eye is blind, she can actually see the manifestations, mm-hmm. and it, it, and I find that concept fascinating um and the whole concept of her being in a coma for 20 plus years and things like that i was speaking to a friend of mine um andreas guzman and when we were chatting about it uh he brought this other concept to my mind when i rewatched it and when i ended up rewatching it 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 honestly i just think the whole film is her dream sequences in a coma and it's kind of like inception in a way um. So I, I find that super interesting. And I have this other, I guess, theory floating around in my head that the reasons why she can't go home or see her mom, she can go home, she just can't see her mom. Um, And I feel like the reasons why she can't really see her mom is that's kind of one of those pull those given flows that you that you kind of have where you're just about to come out of that coma but yet now you're just pulled right back yeah. out um and you don't have a home you're probably sitting somewhere completely foreign to you and um the tactics and things like that and um her seeing like the images and all that stuff i picture that as her trying to find the door to f- wake up and it, it's so interesting. It, that is an I could theorize one. about this movie all day.
0: <laughs> I love that because that's the main. So, you know, if you had a more cynical attitude, you could be like, yeah, yeah, well, the dream just looked that way because that was the graphics they had. And it right. Right, probably had. So, I'm like, no, 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 no. They're, they're, a filmmaker doesn't do that. And right. I love no. your theory there that if. Because, uh, again, for anybody who hasn't seen it, the, every dream sequence is a continuous flow forward through right. tunnels and doorways right. and all kinds of different uh, sort of openings. And every time, it, it's always something familiar to her environment as right. well that shows up. You, know, you have a lot of hospitals right. uh, showing up, a lot of nature, a lot of yep. people, body parts, a lot exactly. of physicality involved. I love yes. that idea that she's coming closer and closer to reaching the apex and then it gets taken out away from her in right. her own imagination. It's exactly. Like a brain, nah.
1: Yeah. And, and and that's what I think it is. I think it's more so like a brain defense mechanism that's mm-hmm. happening um, to Sarah and with Sarah being uh, in this coma for 20 plus years, we can assume that she got into the coma when she was 18. Yes. And now she's, 20 plus years later after that so like oh. now now her being at this age of 38 um mm-hmm. she has this concept because like with her being with um like on his name um they they always said his last name but she would call him by his first name i i would I, are you talking about the the scientist the, the scientist yes yeah i um, think his real name is jeremy but they called him riffraff yes that's what i thought yeah okay so yeah so jeremy um when she is with jeremy it it, and my my wife was just like oh that's a choice she's in high school and uh he totally (laughs) like it it makes total sense now because she technically is 38 yeah and like it's it's such an interesting concept and i like to think that i try to figure out what happened like what happened to her And I, we see the bike and we see the club and things like that. And I'm thinking those, those places, because Jeremy says a very interesting thing when she actually goes to the woods where it's just like, this doesn't make sense. Um, I thought she would go somewhere familiar. And I think those places are all very, very familiar for her. Um, until we get to the woods, that being now the, this new concept of her being almost there yet again. Mm -hmm. And you have that, very interesting doorway which is the most interesting doorway to me is the one with the hands that are actually the door. Yeah, itself. that was my favorite as well. So magnificent. But yet another like metaphor to me of we're trying to pull you out. We're trying we're like keep coming. C- come on. And usually when it stops is when something gets in our way. And it's right. usually the shadow man who stops right in the middle. To where we don't go anywhere anymore. She wakes up now. So it's, it's so interesting. Now I have a theory about that.
0: Because yeah. I think that if you were to. If I look at this from that perspective. Of this is wholly a sort of. Psychotropic dream world. From being right. in a coma for so long. That let's take that theory. That indeed we're watching her. Navigate towards. Quote unquote reality. So back to her reality as it is. In, in our existence i think the shadow people are actually the doctors and her loved ones uh, yeah i agree in the real world that's why so many people are lined up when she's finally there and all that technology that they're using in the dream world is real right. she's hearing them talk about all this tech to look at her thoughts yeah. you say she's the first one she's so special but if you look closely in the storyline they've been monitoring everybody so how is she special right. unless right. they're talking from another side of things that it's it's about the comas so i love it it's not that they get in her way because they do say if they try to touch her she will wake up because it's the defense that's mechanism right. of i can't go back to that
1: reality exactly that makes total. which gives sense. me chills <laughs> yeah that makes total sense wow that's a that's a beautiful way to look at that too um and, and i even like to think that jeremy um is possibly actually one of her doctors because it's Mm -hmm. that whole whole concept or even not even one of her doctors it could be like because these these i don't want anyone to assume like these if they haven't seen it that these people are old they're not they're they're like maybe early 30s um the the one who looks the youngest is literally sarah but um with them being the age that they are i like to assume that because if we if we bring science into this our brain isn't capable enough to make faces of our own while we're asleep Mm -hmm. so with that concept in mind she knows jeremy and she knows all these people from somewhere she's seen them before um and i feel like that concept in mind Makes me to believe that like maybe they were classmates at some time and she actually had a crush on Jeremy and this is how she contextualizes it. Um, So it's super interesting how we can kind of maneuver in there. But another thing that I would like to touch on is the uh, the references. The horror I was references. Thinking it as you're talking Oh about it. my <laughs> god! The horror references because so we many. get the main doctor who totally is a George A. Romero, <laughs> like, yeah. like he totally is George A. Romero esque. The, the glasses is perfect. <laughs> she also goes to Romero High School, mm-hmm. so like it, it's just it, it's perfect. And then also once again her hospital room two three seven. So mm-hmm. like we're fantastic references i absolutely adore the references in this and i think they're so much fun
0: <laughs> yeah and i love that the that, uh, burns put enough care in that to also put references for basically the two major genres he was playing with because right. you have all those horror references we just mentioned but there's a terminator poster found That's in the right. office yeah uh, she picks up a book from Philip K Dick yep. so you know which is the author who inspired blade runner yep. so Those little things like there's enough science fiction in there that if you're a sci-fi head, you're going to get a lot out of this. And but if you're a horror fan, I will say it depends on what you're into. You know, yes, they have a lot of really good references. But I do think that is meant for the horror fans who are expecting something a lot like a night like like, like Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. But We don't get that in this movie except for maybe like the end. It's kind (laughs) of the closest you get to that. Yeah
1: there it's there's no cover. like major kill count like this is no. totally a psychological thing and it's totally in your head in a way um mm-hmm. so it's it's a very interesting aspect with that but what you do get is beautiful like it, it is it is a really cool concept and um it's interesting cuz i wouldn't necessarily even technically classify this as horror per se mm-hmm. i accept it as horror but um i technically wouldn't classify it as horror um i do classify it as definitely like more psychological um right. with horror um aspects to it and things like that but it's not it's not like jump scare after jump scare or or slashing clashing yeah. and, and it, it's 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 nothing like that but at the same time this is a movie that doesn't leave you necessarily scared but it does leave you w- wanting to get your answer your uh questions answered. Oh and yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love that. I love when directors do that. I know a lot of people hate that kind of stuff, but I love that. I love when they don't feed us the like they're not providing us with the nutrients. You just got to figure it out yourself yeah. and maybe you got it, maybe you don't. Who knows, but I love that. I think it's so good when they do things like that. It's so genius on many levels. So I think it's
0: genius if we're talking, you know, from my standpoint, from philosophy, it's genius because uh, you always have something new to experience and unpack. Yes. You know, there are different perspectives you can watch a film from. So you can try to unpack all those political elements to it, like how your your wife's initial response is seeing that age gap. I had that as well. I'm like, right. okay, is it going to have a commentary in this? It kind of does, but not heavily. And it touches yeah. upon a lot of those little things. But then also there's this pure visual and audible aesthetic quality to it that you could just put it on and just go for this kind of bumpy yet gentle ride that they've created for right. you. Uh, yeah. You can watch it from, hey, how would I have thought of, Like, how was I as a teenager? What do I relate to with Sarah on that level? But it's also genius on a marketing level because any, I feel, really good director is not going to... Sp- spoon feeds you everything that ba- every time you watch right. a film it's the same you need to take your
1: pills and get your yeah. medicine and <laughs> then you get your nutrients as you were putting it exactly you know? <laughs> exactly and and i feel like burns does a really fantastic job in that mindset for sure because of the way he sought to make this movie i i just i just feel like this movie in particular really sells that that statement and that undertone of how would you feel with us showing you a movie just that's just completely nightmares and like that that's just such an interesting concept and like the only time because dream sequences i feel like are always hard i feel like dream sequences are so hard in movies because it it can either make or break your exposition yeah and it's funny because the whole, this whole movie is a dream (laughs) sequence. (laughs) And and so like the beautiful thing is you don't need exposition for this. Like you don't need to know what happened to Sarah last week before this, this moment Mm -hmm. that that, none of that matters. What matters is what's happening to her now. That's what matters. And I think that is really, really cool. And it's a concept that I don't see utilized too often. And don't get me wrong I, I do like my exposition i do like the question why like for example i thought it follows doesn't have enough exposition for me personally <laughs> to want to enjoy that movie but that's me um but with that being said like i do know that um uh, that same concept. It's kind of happened to people who watch this movie. So yeah, like it, will. it it's, it's, it's definitely different for each person, which is that's the beauty behind movies. Like I, that's the main thing that I love about movies so much is that we are always probably going to have a different opinion about it. And that's great. Like I don't want us to have the same opinion. I don't want everybody <laughs> to love what I love. I want someone to challenge me and, and, and give me, give me their, their reasons why they didn't like it or, or what worked, what didn't and so on and so forth. So It's, um, that's the beauty behind, I feel like this movie is that this is a conversation starter. And it really just has you want to talk about this movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it, it really did. You know, (laughs) I had a feeling just looking at the poster and seeing the trailers and stuff like, okay, this is going to be an interesting one to talk about. Yeah. And then I saw it. It's like, I'm going to talk about this movie until the day I die. This movie's (laughs) got so much to, you know, we're going to be those really, annoying 40 plusers yes talking to people about the new movies you're like yeah but have you seen uh, come true it's like my uh <laughs> it's like our it's a little stamp or little card there of superiority of like oh but have you seen come true though uh, well then we'll I talk like about good looking movies
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's definitely what my one of my go-to cards are gonna be for sure now it would be like but i'm gonna be like 60 and be like you see, you remember come true.
0: Like <laughs> it's gonna be our exorcist. I remember when I saw that. Yes, movie.
1: yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm. I'm still. i Gosh, I'm just <laughs> waiting for that moment, just for it to be like a, a constant cult following of a film that just everyone knows. Ugh. The potential's there. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Because it's interesting. Because I'm. I'm trying to think now, of like these more AAA titles and um, these big Hollywood budget horror films compared to kind of this more indie circuit
0: mm-hmm.
1: where not to bag on on any Hollywood uh, big budget horror films because I, I do like actually a lot of them. Like I, I love Dr. Sleep and I, I loved uh, it Chapter One and, and um, I love The Conjuring. Um, but with that particular set, that we have going on there they try to add so much and try to try to expand and and build upon and um by doing that i feel like it sort of takes away from the audience being able to think and and kind of let that digest Mm. and i feel like that's what this indie circuit which, which especially now like during 2020 that was the perfect time for all these indie films to really get a lot of love and really i was so happy that they were able to do that it sucked that it had to be during these times but a lot of people watch a lot of indie films um and they watched a lot of indie horror films during this time which is great and you got things like the vigil and which the vigil is also awesome but you got things like the visual and relic and the amulet and like all of these different type of movies that you probably wouldn't have watched. Well, I say probably, but I'm I more so mean like maybe an, an average movie consumer, right? Of course. But like with things like that, you're you're seeing people like. I don't know, Scott Derrickson, I would, I would use as an example, but people like Scott Derrickson who shouts out the amulet and you're just like, wow, this is wow. a movie that was made for $1.2 million and the guy who made Doctor Strange just shouted this movie yep. out. like That's insane. So it's things like that that you, you come across with something like Come True. And I'm, I'm a huge advocate for this movie and i i feel like i still feel like a lot of people even though as much as i've advocated i still see a lot of people who haven't probably seen this movie yet And i'm just like you need to watch this movie
0: <laughs> yeah it, it's made a ripple a very small one i think it's more i mean the aesthetics already have already grabbed people enough that i do see right. the poster kind of go around so it, it draws your eye with the marketing of it but it just hasn't quite kicked off. I do think cult following is what we're going to be seeing with this one, but probably ooh, I think it's going to be a really powerful one as well. I think it's going to be one of I those agree. movies, you know, it's going to be a, sh- a streaming darling somewhere down. Yes. the road, Yes,
1: yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I completely agree with that. And I, I would love to see a, a lot more love come towards it. And I mean, I wish the best of luck for Anthony Scott Burns because he, <gasps> He has something here and he I would love to see him make like a trilogy called like the Nightmare Trilogy or something and, and just yeah. like expand on just the nightmare world. Not necessarily a story that's exactly the same, but just kind of how like Carpenter had the Apocalypse Trilogy. Like, okay, yeah, I, I, I mean, see what you mean, where none of them technically have anything to do with each other yet carpenter focused those films as part of the same universe like they're all happening synchronously uh like chronically um mm-hmm. but yeah it's 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 fascinating it's fascinating to to watch this movie and and see it kind of go from here uh, i do want to ask you a question have you seen yeah. any of us uh, anthony scott burns's um other films i
0: have not this is my okay. first foray into his filmography and sweet what an entrance <laughs>
1: yes yes it is yes it is um i would definitely check out our house and he has a mm-hmm. segment in holidays as well
0: oh and, i have seen holidays uh, which okay. segment did he do because I, um, I they didn't say in imdb specifically which one was
1: his yeah i'm not sure that's a great question um I'll have to watch it i'm not too sure but I, w- I would have to see what his holiday segment is um uh, because i i actually very much love holidays <laughs> it's a great movie uh, it's so much fun. So much fun. And I, I think I think that's another one that doesn't really get a lot of love as well. But at the same time, it's yeah. just uh it's one of those films that I just feel like, you know, it'll stand the tell of time when more and more people start kind of checking it out. Because there's a lot of really cool like directors that were on there. Like Kevin Smith was on there, which I think Kevin Smith did Halloween. Um, yeah, his it it. he did al- Halloween yes yeah and Anthony Scott Burns did Father's Day Father's Day yeah and oh, wow. Father's Day was with uh, Jocelyn Donahue who's I'm a huge fan of Jocelyn Donahue from things like The House of the Devil and um, actually right. her most recent film um, that she just had too uh, which i blank blanking on the name of right now I think it's Off Season I think that's the name of it but uh, which isn't out yet but yeah aha uh-huh, okay yeah so I'm very intrigued on seeing him just do more and more and more and more and i'm i'm excited for it all i'm really really excited (laughs) and
0: what i hope is he keeps that sort of indie roots because what you were talking about with the big studio stuff versus your more indie directors is i think exactly what Nene was talking about studios are more involved in the whole judgment scene they really want to make a movie that is palpable for Everyone, you know, just about everybody. Exactly. They wanted to be marketable. So, you know, you take a movie like The Conjuring and people go like, ah, I liked it, but it was a little vague. They're going to learn from that. And the next Conjuring movie is going to get more blatant, more blatant, more blatant until people (laughs) are happy. But the indie scene is all about what movie did I want to make? And what did I want you to experience and feel with this movie? And... He knew (laughs) he damn well knew because it's there really well. My like one thought I had the whole time was this is the best adaptation of a Silent Hill game I have ever seen. It's the closest I've ever seen uh, outside of the original Silent Hill movie to come. Just to get that aesthetic and weirdness and this kind of off-putting just nature of it because there's so much metaphor going on that. You could try to unpack it, but you're going to spend a lot of time right. doing a lot of digging. And at the end of the day, all that really matters is that you're staring there with your mouth agape and yeah. just soaking it in. It's 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 like a tidal wave hits you when those sequences come, even though they're very serene. I, I love right. how quiet and yet just blasting impactful those sequences were for me when I was watching them.
1: I love it. I love it. And I, I love how... He makes those sequences seem so, uh, and I I was going to say dreamlike, but they're, uh, because they are dreamlike. They they are, yeah. They are very much dreamlike, (laughs) but he makes those sequences just, like you said, like they just kind of explode in your face where the camera, because the way the camera like moves, it's definitely like a dolly camera that just moves so smoothly, the doors open for you. Very much plays like a video game in, in, in some aspects like that. Um and when the door opens for you, because it's all POV, and you get like something standing in your path, and you're just like, okay, are we about to stop the trolley or are we going to just keep going? And maybe it's not right in right. front of us and it's just to the side of us or something like that. And Anthony does a really good job of of making you of making you feel comfortable in that setting to where it's just like this, you know what to expect. And then he changes it. Yeah. And, and it's just like, yeah. it's like, well, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Like it was, it'll happen where you'll see it. It'll, it'll come. Things look a little bit more clear. And then all of a sudden a person with legs and arms for legs and a face that for one, legs yeah. <laughs> and, and, and a nose for legs is walking towards you. And you're just like, what am I watching?
0: <laughs> And As you said, it was different. You're like, oh, no, shit, they're not supposed to actually be moving and coming towards me or doing anything. They've been standing still like statues this whole time. And this thing was coming for you. Exactly. And what I love the most is it doesn't build to a scare in that moment. The scare is seeing it come at you and then as soon as it's in the light, it seems pretty chill. Like it's right. like, hey, I'm just going to pass by. Sorry. yeah, to yeah. <laughs> <way.">
1: <laughs> Just like, oh, I'm a little drunk. Just going yeah. to move out of your way. Um, I am literally all left feet. <laughs> and I, I, I think that's what makes this so magnificent off of the way he shows his scares. Um, because that's that's I feel like that's the hardest part of a horror film is how am I going to scare my audience? Like, I, what, what is mm-hmm. going to scare my audience? What do I want to have my audience take out of this? And you think about it with with how he utilizes these dream sequences being so samey of looking the same and flowing the same and um, even acting the same. Where we where, where we're stuck on the trolley, we're still going, and it, it's feels kind of like a disneyland ride and honestly it, it actually that's one of the best ways i can put it if, if you're riding on a ride on a roller coaster or some type of trolley coaster and you get in line again it's going to be the exact same thing but this was just like you're constantly getting in line over and over and over again and it constantly changes and uh-huh. I think that is what makes that so magnificent of how can we make this scary each and every time they go on this ride.
0: And that reminds me of something that I experienced not too long ago. I say not too long ago. I mean, I think it's probably almost a decade by now, but you know how memory serves. Um, (laughs) When I first moved here in the Netherlands, I used to live in a city up in the north called uh, Groningen. Try to say (laughs) that 10 times uh, fast. Cannot. Can't even say it once. (laughs) (laughs) And and at the university there, they have what they call the Young Hearts Festival. So it was a place for... It's a festival for young theater makers to kind of cut their teeth or they drag them from all over Europe or all over the world if they were willing to kind of fit the bill themselves to come over. Oh, wow. And one of them was called Spoke House in Dutch means uh, haunted house. So ghost house, if you wanted to translate it uh, purely. Now, you would think... What this is, is some sort of haunted house that somehow is theatrical. This was Mm. the coolest shit I've ever done. So what it was, was you get into this space and they give you this really comfy chair, a nice like old oak table. The whole room looks like you're in some like 1940s lobby. Ooh. And... You're also coming into like the biggest theater in the the city as well. So okay. it's a small wow. city, but it's a nice city. So you go in. They really made it look nice. It's got a, like a phonogram playing some music and stuff. And they tell you like, here's a smartphone. Here's some headphones. Now, what I want you to do is just listen to the recording. Okay. All the recording did was tell us instructions of what we were going to do in the next space. Like, okay. okay. So they just told us you need to answer yes or no. Don't have a conversation. Move on. Okay. I did that. So they take the headphones off, we went to the next room, and now it's getting a little weirder. Now the room is more clinical, but everything's dark huh. shades of gray and black. The chair they have there is still comfortable, but more kind of like a lazy boy. Interesting. And then they give you a headset and a very like a professional mic that's like dangling from the ceiling with the headset attached to it.
1: Oh, that's cool.
0: <laughs> and they start playing this really odd kind of ambience in there, drones and audio. And then they huh. start asking you questions of like, "Are you afraid of birds or mice?" Say one or two. And you're like, "Uh," and from there, you had to tell them things like, "Are you afraid of abandonment?" Are you afraid? And based on your fears, what they're doing actually is they have a whole tech team in the back who are listening to your answers, and they're also watching you through a night vision camera, so they can see your visual responses to the sounds that they're inputting. And they're creating a soundtrack that is specifically geared to your psychological pattern. The rest of it is, they're like, now you need to go through the black curtain. Like, okay. So all of this was psychological conditioning to make you very uncomfortable. Yeah. And based on your answers, they know that there were frequencies that can match the same fear responses that you would have for those particular circumstances.
1: Wow. The experience
0: is just pure black. They have very mild innocuous things that you have to walk through. Kind of, you remember the old ha- haunted house days where you had like a bowl of grapes and you said they're yeah. eyeballs. It was that kind of right. experience. Sure. So you had to get on your hands and knees and walk through one of those like kind of cat tunnels it was made of a tarp. Uh, but <laughs> inside of it had strings to kind of come over your face. So they would, you know, if you're afraid of spiders, they were really going to. Right. Yeah, that, that could definitely get you. <laughs> yeah, they had that. They had uh, some other places where the walls were like a maze and you had to kind of feel your way around it. But here's Easy. the kicker. You finally get to the end of it, and it's like the darkest damn room, but you can tell it's way bigger than all the other rooms, and the screen just, it just turns on. And you see yourself standing, there's a mic stand and a mic, but the camera's above you, so you're like, okay, that's cool. And then the screen starts jittering, and it starts, text starts appearing, saying like, you did this, you did that, and they're showing you night vision footage of you going through it, so you're kind of laughing, and then cut, there's a camera, and you see that it's right behind you. And you're like, what? And then they start showing footage of how there was POV handheld camera footage of you walking oh, someone around. Someone literally right in front of you? Somebody had been walking around you about half a foot in front of you or behind you the entire experience. That's a night vision camera. And you turn around and he's right there wearing his night vision goggles. <laughs> and they. Get a screenshot of that and a few other moments in night vision. They make a special postcard with all of your stuff on the postcard. They print it out right then there. This was so fucking scary, but so (laughs) cool. And it's so simple, but it was what got me the most. And that was, I think, what they knew was going to happen. This whole ending for me was through my psychological pattern. They knew that was going to freak me out the most was the fear of not knowing that I was being stalked. Oh, yeah. fuck. Because the moment I knew that I was stalked, I, that was, I wasn't scared at all for the whole thing. I was a little nervous to trip on stuff, of course. Sure, yeah. Uh, you, it's dark. You're just like, yeah. I have no idea where I am and where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, I was scared of jump scares. That's all it was. It was like tense. Fair enough. But yeah. then when I saw that there's a dude wearing essentially a gas mask standing behind me in black and white, oh, and he's just there with black God. gloves, freaked me out. Oh. This movie is that <laughs> in a cinematic form for me some of those sequences really got me that way amazing Um, in fact i gotta say so you said you've never experienced sleeper house
1: is correct i haven't no okay i've had it three times
0: oh it's it it sounds extremely terrifying it is one of the worst things i've ever experienced and yet also one of the things i'm happiest i've ever experienced if that makes any sense just because it didn't cause me any you know trauma or anything like that it very extreme memories and the fear of ever getting it again. Yes. (laughs) Sure. Fair (laughs) enough. But I've also managed after that third time, I remember that third time I actually managed to like pry my eyes open. uh, Because we had um, our fire alarm was right above the bed and has this little green light. And Mm. so one thing that seems to happen with sleep paralysis is some people do have their eyes open. I had a tendency that it would be my dreams that I would make such a perfect map of the room I was in. And from my perspective, lying down, That it would be a completely perfect recreation of it, and you would have the shadow figures looming over you like you're some sort of test subject. Oh, geez. And I noticed that the light wasn't on on the the alarm, and I could feel the muscles in my eyes trying to open. And every now and then, I would see that light just slowly kind of creep in. And as the light came in, they always seemed to fade away. So that's when I realized I can do this and try to, like, break out of the paralysis that I was in. Yeah. Um. But it's the reason why I'm so happy I've had it. I'm not happy, but, like, happy that it's an experience I understand. That's more right. my fear. Like, I am very much fear of the unknown to its most pure sense I that's can get fair. freaked out by learning new technology just because I don't know what it is and how it's sure. going to work and yeah all that you no know? absolutely makes that nervous. makes
1: total sense <laughs> that makes total sense yeah I I personally like I've experienced insomnia to the point where I've hallucinated mm-hmm. um and that that's been the max that, that I've had for me to where I've I've dreamt because I was so tired I've dreamt in while I was awake okay. um and it was. I, it got to the point where I needed to go to the doctor for it. And okay. when I went to the doctor for it, they were just like, hey, you had this pretty much if you don't sleep, you you can seriously start hurting yourself. Like you, things can start deteriorating, like literally. <laughs> so right. they gave me like melatonin and stuff like that at the, I, not the best sleep of my life. But now <laughs> I have this condition, um, which was super interesting, called elite sleeping, okay. where it's About three percent of the world can do this, where it's it sounds like it sounds cool, but it honestly is horrible. (laughs) Um, But like pretty much, (laughs) but um, like the word insomnia sounds cool, but it's horrible. Um, Mm. But pretty much what it is, it's you. You can technically go to sleep anytime you want to. Um, But when you have spurts of insomnia, you'll only sleep for about four to five hours, but you'll wake up feeling absolutely refreshed. You're fine. No need for a cup of coffee. And most people who have this condition actually either are allergic to coffee or they don't like caffeine or caffeine gives them headaches. I'm not allergic to coffee, but caffeine gives me headaches. And I don't like caffeine, ah. and I don't like <laughs> coffee either. I don't like the taste of coffee, um. So even if I try to drink it decaffeinated, like I don't like the taste of it. Um, right. So it's funny because, um, Excedrin, which is a pill that helps for migraines, right, has caffeine in it. <laughs> so it just <laughs> makes my migraines slightly less because now I'm getting a headache from the caffeine. So ah. it's yeah, it's very interesting. But that is pretty much what elite sleeping is. So I'll go to sleep, let's say at one o'clock. I'm usually up completely refreshed by like six. Sleeping in for me is 6 30, 7 o'clock in the morning. That's sleeping in.
0: You were made Uh, to be a dad.
1: Yeah, that's what it seems. (laughs) That's what it definitely seems. So I'm I'm definitely up really, really early and I I go to sleep extremely late. So it's that's just how it kind of works. It's a very odd thing. But the thing is, you technically can go to sleep anytime you want to. So like I can uh-huh. if I wanted to, I can go to sleep at eight o'clock at night with ease. I can go to sleep just fine. Only thing is, I can't sleep for very long. So I wake up at like three or four in the morning exactly. wide awake. So I'm just like Ugh. <laughs> well now what am i gonna do like i don't want to do anything i just kind of want to just lie here because now i'm lazy <laughs> that's what i usually do i just lie in the dark with my eyes open wait until my wife gets up when she can go to sleep earlier than me and wake up extremely later than me she'll sleep right. in until like maybe nine or ten and i'm just like i've been up for four hours <laughs> i'm bored <laughs> i can imagine so <laughs>
0: yes so yeah,
1: that doesn't sound like a great payoff it's it's not it it's not and and truly you're not sleepy you're just tired all the time mm-hmm. like you are tired all the time like to the point where you feel like your eyes are gonna shut at any moment but you're not sleepy so you can't sleep uh. <laughs> so yeah it's it, it's a really really crappy method but it's my life and I've had it I was diagnosed with it when I was gosh twenty so okay. yeah for I've had it for about ten years. Uh, or professionally, I guess it was clinically established that <laughs> I had it <laughs> for ten years. Yeah. But um, yeah, but that's what this movie reminds me of, and that's why it has me to bring it all full circle. That's what has me so enthralled by come true because of every aspect of how Sarah had to deal with her um, sleeping issues, and it's just it it reminds me so much so of how it feels when you're just kind of mundanely walking through the day and all of a sudden you're having a dream while you're awake. You're not sleepwalking. You're just like, whoa, I should have seen that person just walk through a car right now. <laughs> right. So yeah. Yeah. It's it was it's very interesting, which scares the hell out of me because my mom and my brother both have schizophrenia. So
0: oh, I can imagine that's, that's quite yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah, so like when I first had my first hallucination I immediately got tested because I was like, I I don't I don't want this. I and mm-hmm. I I know there's nothing you can do. You can't just say I don't want this, but it's just like it's scary. It was it was a scary thought. Definitely a scary thought. And um my brother was diagnosed with it at twenty two and my mom was okay. diagnosed at eighteen. So it was around the time frame of that too. So I was around I was around seventeen when I had my first hallucination. And okay. uh, it was one of the main reasons. So I was just like, "Nope, uh, hallucinogenics. I'm okay. I don't think I want. <laughs> think I'm good. <laughs> you have enough. fun if that's fun for you, but I'm I'm good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm a little scared of them as well. I haven't done anything like that, but I have. See, I have ADHD. Been diagnosed since I was very young, and sure, it's currently on undi- like No, I'm not not diagnosed. It's currently like, unmedicated. I have a prescription. I just. I'm one of those people that if you get one problem at the pharmacy, you're like, ah, screw these people. And then you just don't go anymore. (laughs) "Ah." (laughs) If if it's not something that's like, you know, keeping me alive, I just don't see the drive to break my day to go get it. But I do think there are people in my life who are like, oh, for love, just go get the pills. (laughs) Focus, focus, please. (laughs) But I will say, so I took a good 15-ish, 20-ish years in between being rather medicated as a child and then just, yeah, YOLO, didn't do anything for a while. Sure. Until I had a pretty harsh burnout from study and a, a bit of a breakdown, I missed a divorce, a whole bunch of stuff. And yeah. in that time, I looked at my now fiance, at the time my girlfriend, just like, I need to get a pill to fix this. And I don't care what part of this problem they fix one of them will do so we yeah. knew adhd was going to be the one that was going to help the most because that was probably right. cranking up my emotions to a degree that i couldn't handle i'll tell you what though going from no milligrams to 36 milligrams of anything especially anything like ritalin That's a spike The hallucinations I
1: had. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's a spike.
0: (laughs) I had so many auditory hallucinations from it. And it is a very strange thing to look at somebody and hear them talk to you, behind you, Yeah, when you see them talking to somebody else in a completely unrelated conversation. Yes. So I, I know that a little, not your personal fear, but at least I know how freaky it is. Right. And you are right that this film plays on those sorts of, weird uncontrollable parts of our minds and taps into that and i think even people who are neurotypical who haven't had any problems never been drunk or anything like that you know very straight-laced people would have that understanding and fear just because we've all had nightmares that's the moment that we know that our brains are totally in control (laughs) there's nothing you can do about it
1: yeah this is your brain this is your brain like this is and that's what this movie is this movie is just the brain like in and it's it's beautiful it's beautiful that like you succumb to this film in aspects that either kind of pick apart pieces of your life because everyone's had a nightmare before so like you you you're going to have some type of connection with this movie regardless Mm. And I think that's why it's so magnificent because it's just, everyone's just like, wow, this doesn't look like a nightmare I've had, but I could see that being really scary kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's very different in the aspect of how we would see it in nightmare on Elm street or in, Mm -hmm. uh, if we see like a ghost story or something like that, like we may love ghost stories, but not everyone's had a ghost experience or, uh, maybe someone doesn't believe in ghosts and they just like horror films or whatever. Um, you kind of get this mindset of where it's just like I've been here before, and that's weird. <laughs> yeah, like, like it's yeah. it's weird. It's like everything oddly seemed familiar, and it was weird. <laughs> that's what come true is.
0: <laughs> it's this. So a lot of times you'll see people say that they've watched a film and due to maybe a, a character's social life or the story that they're going through that they'll say that they see themselves, you know, finally right. I I felt seen. Now I've had two of those types of experiences. You know, I think we all do. You either feel seen in a, Oh yeah, a very comforting way, but there's also a terrifying way of feeling seen. Yeah. You're like, How did you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> please, please don't remind me of this. And I feel <laughs> that that's what this movie uh, come true is such a great. Everybody is seen. But it's not a comfort necessarily. I could see right. it as a comfort film for a lot of aspects. But if you were to think about that particular aspect when watching the movie, I don't think the comfort's coming in anymore because <laughs> you are seen and it's almost like it's watching you and it's saying, yes. I know you.
1: Oh. Yes. It's very cool. What a movie. Film. What a movie. God, this movie rules. Oh, I love thank it. Thank you, Anthony. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Anthony. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Uh. I can't wait for us to cover this on the podcast too. I, I'm I'm very excited.
0: <laughs> I'll be there the moment it drops.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. This. Yeah. That, this this was this definitely is a blast of a movie, and it it just creeps up on you. I love it. Oh, love it. <laughs>
0: exactly. So it's it's a very creepy, crawly kind of film, and uh, when where beauty is concerned for me it is that human element of the film that speaks to me the most because it is talking about the human condition. We are seeing Sarah's humanity on display, but it's a type of exploration that is universal. So Mm -hmm. as you said, although the exact images used in the nightmare realm isn't necessarily the types of dreams everybody has, not everybody thinks this abstractly or has such broken, jumbled stuff. Mm-hmm. We can all relate to this. Weirdly, I think we've all—if even if you haven't had a strong nightmare—we I think we've all at least had those dreams where you feel like you're underwater and everything right. is suffocating for some reason, but it feels yeah. normal at the same time. <laughs> you Get what I mean? Yeah.
1: There no, I see? 100% get what you mean. <laughs> yes. And because
0: of those weird, otherworldly feelings that you can have in your dreams. This is what it's doing. and also and of course, that final text when she, you know she wakes up from what she perceives to be a dream within a dream, within a dream, and right. she's actually killing Riff or Jeremy with her thumbs in his skull. Uh, I love that her next dream is actually the dream that she saw in his dreams, which is yes. now she's going to be a vampire vampire. yeah, and it felt to me like the vampire thing was yet another coping mechanism that she sees the text you see her responding and of course we don't know at the time what was on that but we know that this this is going to do it this is going to shatter our whole world she puts the phone down and we're like no show me the phone and she shows her fangs and that's the coping mechanism it's her brain saying now we're going to go on a vampire adventure and you're going to get caught up in that because i don't want you to remember the fact that somebody texted you from the outside world saying please wake up
1: right Yes. Chills
0: every time I think it's about so
1: <laughs> good. And and at first, my my wife was like, like, so this was a vampire movie the whole time. I was like, no, 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 it wasn't. No. Remember, the vampire was in his dream that manifested to her, and yeah. she was like, oh, she's like, so wait, what is it? I was like, it's a new story, like, <laughs> and I want <laughs> the story. It's a new story. Me. I do. I will. I will love that story. Oh man! Uh, and she was like, oh, I was like, yes. It's a <laughs> brand new story that we're not going to ever probably see. <laughs> no. No. But, oh, man. It's just, I I love, I love breaking this movie down. This is a blast of a movie to break down. And I cannot wait for more people to see this movie. Uh, I'm trying to pick like a perfect month for this movie. Um, and like, I, I might see like maybe when, I don't know, insomnia was clinically, added to the list of of uh uh i don't know it's not even a disability it's like i guess a, a mental a mental condition right yeah. yeah that sounds right so i i would like to see when that's probably established and maybe we'll make a month surrounding right. around like dreams
0: <laughs> oh yeah or just commemorate the time that you first saw it if it's had such an impact too. on you like august yeah. could be
1: dream month you know it's yeah it can us away it definitely can yeah, because I think last year we did uh, we did child friendly horror films, and okay. uh, mainly because my daughter was born in August. So, of course, <laughs> so yeah, it, it was that was that was a fun month. We covered like Scooby Doo, <laughs> Coraline, stuff like that. Oh, so that was fun. Nice. <laughs>
0: I hope that some people bring those movies as well. I'm really excited to see the different scope and realm of what people bring in. So yes. far, it's definitely been the types of films that I were, was anticipating. And I'm eager to see that when that list kind of thins out after a while, like, ah, I mean, I've already discussed it rather recently. Right. What plan B's and plan C's are people going to have? Or if there's just somebody out there who just swings out and I'm like, okay, yeah, we're going to talk about Ovira. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. There you go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, Mistress uh, of darkness. <laughs> exactly.
0: There's a call. Somebody, if you can convince me and everybody else uh, of the, uh, Objective beauty of the Mistress of Darkness film. Bring it. Let's
1: talk about it. I want to Let's watch it do again it.
0: for uh, educational reasons. That'd be great. Yes,
1: absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. That's amazing. <laughs> so,
0: are there any final thoughts that you had about the film that you might want to get into before uh, we
1: slowly drift off ourselves? Um, no major final thoughts. Except if you haven't seen this movie, please do yourself a favor and watch this movie. Because it is beautiful on so many different levels, and you can tell that this is a project that someone is extremely passionate about. Yes, and for sure. It, it, this was a huge just love letter to all the things that they are passionate about inside this film, and I absolutely love it.
0: I could not put it better. You definitely need to check this film out. Uh, I know that in the UK it's available for Blu-ray. In the US, nice. it's on VOD that you can rent mm-hmm. or purchase it that way. I think it's on Amazon Prime that way, not for streaming. But yeah. I'm sure that'll come sooner rather than
1: later, of course. Yep, and it, when it, it does, still has its indie pricing as well. Six ninety nine here, so. It's not bad, I would just say buy it. <laughs>
0: You're going to watch it. it multiple times anyway. I mean, exactly. I watched it twice in two days. I'll probably watch it again next week. <laughs> uh, one thing I will like to I would like to point out in regards to the film, then before we wrap up, is this is not just a love letter, but it's more or less one individual's heart and soul on display as well. Yes. Because the, you can see it yes. from the credits. Anthony is on everything here. Writer, right. director, cinematographer, and Compose one half of the music of the film. Yeah. So there's a lot going on here that is curated from an individual perspective, which I think is exactly why we are getting such a pure look into this sort of a topic. Right. That is when a film resonates, in my opinion, when you have that authorial background, or at least that, that person behind it that's
1: pushing it all forward. Untapped, yes. untethered, <laughs> amazing, amazing. I couldn't have even said it better myself. Oh,
0: it's so good.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, well, we could continue gushing until eternity. I think, <laughs>
0: uh, but I do want to leave some material for uh, when Nightlight talks about it as well. <laughs> and hopefully, <laughs> if we can indeed get Anthony on here, I would love to also not just talk about this movie, but you know, the great thing about getting filmmakers on this podcast is also knowing what they find beautiful from other filmmakers. So I'm looking forward yes. to that as well. So uh, before, let's see, to wrap up real quick, this is a podcast that is part of the anatomy of a screen pod squad, So, Be sure to follow the anatomy of a screen podcast page on your preferred podcast platform to check out more introspective, semi-academic and fun podcasts, including monster books hosted by Jessica Scott. Horror is so queer hosted by Dana Pickley, princess weeks and Adam Sass and much more. You can find more info at anatomyofascream.wordpress.com. Now, if you're interested in more of my musings on beauty and horror or horror in general, you can follow me at Twitter at underscore shockaholic. And, of course, you can use the socials for the Beauty of Horror podcast, which is at Beauty Horror Pod. You can find my written work at Ghoulish Media and Morbidly Beautiful. Thank you again so much, Prince, for coming out and sitting down talking to me about all this. Uh, this course. is just such a encapsulating rich film that just it keeps going and frankly i could have somebody else on talk about it and still have more to say i'm pretty sure (laughs) absolutely no thank you so much for having me this was a blast absolutely my pleasure and uh so where can all the people find you if they haven't
1: found you already
0: and is there anything you'd like to plug
1: yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at TheHeadNight, that's Night with a K. You can also find me uh, or hear my voice, I guess, on Nightlight uh, Horror Movie Podcast that's also Night with a K as well. Um, you can also see me sometimes on Bloody Disgusting um, as uh, I am on the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network so you'll probably see me a lot on there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, those are the main things you could definitely see me on and we'll definitely hopefully keep in touch for sure. Oh, I hope so. For
0: sure. Like this, this network of horror enthusiasts and professionals has been amazing. It is absolutely amazing. It's been wonderful for me and for so many others. And so thank you to you and to anybody else within that sphere who's uh, been so welcoming to all of us, I'd say, because I'd say that humble beginnings start somewhere and we've all started rather recently. So pats on the backs to all of us you
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> definitely yes a lot of things are happening so rapidly for all of us and it's it's quite fun yeah. to see us promote each other
0: exactly uh and that's exactly what this podcast is for is so we can all get together and talk about something we love and of course thank you dear listener for joining us in talking about the beauty that lurks within the horrible goodbye
1: squad.